Good morning. Wonderful to see your faces. My name is Susan Van Riesen, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor of this church. And I'd like to begin by um, mentioning again that the next five weeks, including today, we are doing our um, God in Film series. So if you want to take a look at any of these films, I think most of them are still out. We are having a viewing of Jesus um, Revolution the weekend that we're preaching on it. Um, so if you haven't seen it yet, come and watch it with us on a Friday night. But also I think this series is a great opportunity to um, be in dialogue with uh, friends inside and outside of God's church, just to talk about things that um, our greater culture out there are talking about. So today I want to talk about Elvis Presley. When I say the uh, Elvis, our um, lovely picture here, when I say Elvis Presley, what does that make you think of? Turn to one person and say, okay, quick, what are the things it makes you think of? All right, I'm just curious. Uh, those of you who are bold and extroverted, what does Elvis Presley make you think of? What? King, the king. He's called the king of rock? Rock and roll, yeah, yeah. What else? Las Vegas, okay? He did um, have a, I don't know if they called it a residency back then, but he was in Las Vegas a lot, especially in the latter part of his career. What else does Elvis Presley make you think of? Music. music. Yeah. Um, depending on how old you are and how into music you are, you may be more or less aware of his music, but he was an amazing musician amazing singer. So, and there's just so many things you could say and talk about, about Elvis Presley. I actually didn't grow up listening to Elvis Presley and I didn't know much about him. I remember I was in the grocery store when I heard people say he passed away. And so that's really all I knew. So I did a deep dive into who is Elvis Presley. There's Elvis Presley, the rock star, Elvis, the American icon, Right, He represented America in many ways. Elvis Presley, the family member and father, the gospel singer. Did you know that the three Grammys that Elvis um, won are all for gospel, for gospel songs? And there's just Elvis Presley, the person. There's so many stories of this person's life. And I just want to acknowledge that this was an actual person. Um, but we are talking about the movie today, okay? So... There's, last year, there was a movie based on uh, Elvis Presley's life, simply titled Elvis, uh, by director Boz Lerman. And uh, notice that I said based on. So I'm not completely sure uh, if everything in this story was completely historically accurate. Again, I'm going to be talking about what I saw in the movie and then also stuff I researched. Um, but apparently his widow thought the movie was good. So there's that. Um, this was a really fun movie. How many of you have seen Elvis the movie? All right. This was a really fun movie, especially if you like the style of this director. It was nominated for eight Academy Awards and won numerous other accolades. Austin Butler, the actor who played Elvis Presley, did all of the singing, which I was like, really? Really? Wow, that was pretty good. And apparently he had to change his 
um, accent for the different ways that Elvis spoke over the 20 years that they this of uh, the movie captured of the story. And for those of you who haven't seen it, I think you could find it interesting. I, I personally thought it was really fun. But at the heart of this story, it's a really sad story in many ways because it follows a very sad thread in Elvis Presley's life. The narrative frame comes from the voice of a man in Elvis's life named Colonel Tom Parker, who's played by Tom Hanks, who is, we're, as we're introduced to him, you recognize that he is an overtly unreliable narrator. So you see and you, you get the sense at the beginning of the movie, like, huh, it, this guy might be an unreliable narrator, but we're being introduced to this movie through this guy. So Colonel Parker is Elvis's longtime manager and agent and quasi-abuser, according to this movie, largely in terms of finances, um, but also in terms of driving Elvis, the performer, so hard that Elvis turned to drugs to be able to live an inhumane performing schedule. The real Colonel Tom Parker was born in the Netherlands and entered the United States illegally when he was 20 years old. He adopted a whole new name and claimed to have been born in the United States. He was a carnival worker at first. Um, back in the time, he was what they called a carny. So he learned to, um, he learned a lot of skills through being a carnival worker. And he moved to music promotion. That's where he started getting momentum in his background. He started representing country singers. Uh, a number of country, country singers, was ha country music was having a big uh, upturn. And he, in 1938, he worked with a popular country singer named Hank Snow, who is portrayed in this film. And then um, Colonel Tom Parker also assisted in this one person's successful campaign to be the governor of Louisiana. And the guy who won the campaign to be governor of Louisiana was so happy with that that he rewarded him the honorary title of colonel. Thus, he became Colonel Tom Parker. So I think the, the, the title colonel became, he insisted that everyone call him colonel, but he wasn't Mr. Military. He just did a really good job with someone's uh, political campaign. So... Once Parker found Elvis Presley, he became Elvis's role, uh, sole representative for his entire life. Elvis did not have any other representation other than Colonel Tom Parker. And he took over half of Elvis's earnings for himself, which was and is unheard of. So I'd like to share a little clip with you, a video clip of the movie. This shows us the beginning of Elvis's career when Elvis is just starting to perform with other um, singers, especially country music singers, and Elvis is already uh, beginning to shine beyond them. So let's watch this first clip. Colonel... Parker and Elvis rode the wave of stardom together. And no one can deny that Elvis Presley became a major 
star. Elvis starred in 33 movies in Hollywood. He was inducted into five different halls of fame, like Country Music Hall of Fame, Gospel Hall of Fame, the Rock Music Hall of Fame. I can't remember what else. (laughs) And it was estimated that he sold more than one billion Elvis Presley records throughout the world. This guy, let's, let's just acknowledge for a second, Elvis was super successful in his short life. And in man, many ways, he was one of the most famous and successful stars that this country ever produced, Elvis Presley. But this movie also tells us the story of his struggles and how he was manipulated by Colonel Parker. Colonel Parker used every part of Elvis's life to make money and to keep him in the spotlight. Even the death of Elvis's mother and Elvis's wedding and Elvis's military service, all of these things were used for the frenzy of his stardom. And Colonel Parker signed contracts which were more in his interest than Elvis's. And the colonel never, one thing they said, which was true in real life, the colonel never let Elvis perform overseas. Even though he was an international star, he never performed overseas. Why? Because the colonel did not want to be found out for living in the U.S. illegally. He didn't have a U.S. passport. So he, led, he tied Elvis to a series of burdensome contracts in Las Vegas, which eventually was a part of Elvis's decline. You get the sense that the person who Elvis was slowly faded away and was replaced by the performer, the star of who Elvis was, the star named Elvis Presley. And in large part, it was because Elvis trusted this man. Colonel Tom Parker. He listened to him. So throughout Elvis's life, person after person lamented how much Elvis trusted and listened to Colonel Tom Parker. And in the end, when his story was over and when there was an end to his life, you looked at his life and you realized, man, This guy listened to Colonel Tom Parker his whole life. He tied himself to this man and never got untied. He never had any other manager. Even after many blow-ups, many snafus, many mistakes, revelations, and betrayals, Elvis never really got disconnected to Colonel Tom Parker. And you want to say, why, Elvis? Elvis, why did you let your life be so influenced and shaped and manipulated by this man. Which also makes me want to ask, why do any of us listen to the people that we listen to? Why do we listen uh, to the people that get to have a voice in our lives? Why do they get to have a voice in our lives? Who gives us advice? Who gives you advice? Who gets to speak into your life? Why do you trust them with the most important things in your life? Well, for some of us, nobody gets to speak into our lives. 
right? We just trust ourselves to be our own source of wisdom, and that's pretty much it. I was talking, I realized this week, I had a whole bunch of conversations with a bunch of pastor friends of mine. And one pastor, we were talking about the theme of uh, giving people input on who they should marry. And just do people seek input on who they date or marry? And one pastor said, oh man, I remember this one situation. It was just so clear that this friend of mine was in a bad relationship. And it was just that everyone could see it except for them. And I, I tried so much, as much as I could to say, hey, let's slow that train down. <laughs> you know, let's, let, let's, uh, have you gotten input from any of your friends? I mean, what, let's pause and think about this. But the person was like determined to marry this person and marry them fast. And my pastor friend, it was so hard to watch this happen. And they were separated in a month. One month. And if you ask any pastor uh, who's been pastoring for even a little while, they'll tell you that there are stories of people who really should have gotten input on who they married or where they bought their home that they could not afford or all these big decisions. But do a lot of people want input in their lives? Sometimes no, shockingly. Sometimes we don't get input from anyone. And we really just trust ourselves. I'm going to be mentioning some passages from the book of Proverbs. And there's one here where the Bible tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart and, get pause here, lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. That doesn't mean don't ever trust yourself at all. But there is a holy sobriety that we had, holy humility that we ought to have that so often we don't have the whole big picture. Amen? Especially when it comes to ourselves. It is easiest to be blind about ourselves, right? Therefore, we ought to not lean on our own understanding. A few verses later, the Bible says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Do not be wise in your own eyes. But again and again and again, it's so easy to think, I could trust in myself. I've pretty much seen the landscape. I'm a wise person. That may be true. But there will be certain situations where, for some reason or another, you don't have wisdom. Right? And so it is so important that we lean not in our own understanding and not think of ourselves as completely and wholly wise. This is why the author of the book of Proverbs teaches so much about the pursuit of wisdom. Yes, the pursuit of wisdom and running away from evil. Proverbs tell us wisdom is calling out to you, begging you, hey, listen to me, let me help you. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. You get the sense that the personification of wisdom is saying, Hey, I'm talking to you. Listen to me. I'm begging you. You need wisdom. Wisdom wants you to listen to her. But she can't make you. She invites you, but
but she can't force you to listen to her. So for some of us, no one gets to speak into our lives, and really, some, we need to know that we need wisdom from outside. For others of us, we listen to people just because they're there, or they're there for us. Proximity can be persuasion, right? Proximity can be persuasion, but should it be? I want to tell you that so often I long to be able to go talk to freshman in college Susan, 18-year-old freshman at Occidental College Susan. And I want to say, freshman Susan, do you really respect your roommate that much that she's the only person that you get advice from? No. Do you really think that she is a fount of wisdom and has made great choices in her life that you want to, to receive her input and emulate her life? Mm-mm. No. Is it true that you even have a foundational worldview that's the same as hers? No. Do you not have any godly sources of wisdom in your life? I do. So why are you leaning on just your own understanding and on the input of your roommate only to make big choices about how you're spending your time uh, and who you're dating? Because she's here. She's here, and I don't have to put any effort into going to get any better advice. Also, she tells me what I want to hear and basically echoes what I want to do anyways. Sometimes we're just lazy and passive about who gets to influence us. Am I right? Or we just let them influence us because they're there or they're there for us. Let's look at the second video clip to um, think about that in his life. By the time Elvis was in his 30s and 40s, he was addicted to several types of prescription drugs. He was sick and unhealthy and in pain in a myriad of different ways. In his last few performances, he was very, very and clearly unwell. He was bloated and his speech was so slurred that he was barely understandable. He was divorced from the mother of his only child due to many uh, infidelities, and no one around him could stop him from continuing to walk down a path of a really unhealthy lifestyle. He was in constant pain and could barely sleep. A friend with wisdom would have told Elvis, hey, your mom died of alcoholism, you probably have a proclivity toward it in your family. Maybe don't start taking amphetamines to give you the energy to perform and uh, barbiturates to be able to sleep. Maybe stop drinking so much alcohol. But instead, Colonel Tom hired a personal doctor for Elvis who ended up being a wide-open pharmacy of all sorts of drugs at any time that Elvis became addicted to and drugs which ended up killing him. Again, Elvis, 
Who do you listen to? Who do you listen to? I want to point out that Elvis was a very spiritual man. He identified as a Christian. His uh, younger step half-brother, his father remarried, wrote a book about the spirituality of Elvis. And he said over and over again, Elvis would talk about how much his faith meant to him. Elvis prayed before we went on stage. He sang gospel songs all around the house. But just because you can sing a beautiful gospel song, it doesn't mean you are accessing the wisdom of God in your life. Amen? Elvis's half-brother wrote about, about this particular thing. He said Elvis meant to go to church. He wanted to go to church. He wanted to be a part of a community that could strengthen him spiritually, but he was never able to figure out how to not draw attention to himself. But wisdom says to him, Elvis, you got to figure that out, man. you got to figure out how you can be in a circle of with, with the wisdom of God. Maybe not a, a church, but you got to find some way to worship God with other people. you got to find a way to grow and get truth in your life. It's just not okay to say a prayer by yourself. You need to access wisdom, find spiritual mentors. Elvis lacked the wisdom of God in his life Because he listened to all the wrong voices. And he didn't have the spiritual freedom of of maturity in Christ. Because he gave weight and authority to people who led him in the ways of foolishness. But scripture teaches us that the voices of foolishness are right there all the time. Very proximate to you. And we are told to resist it and not give in to it. This is kind of a longer passage from Proverbs 1, 8 through 19. But listen well. My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let us lie in wait for innocent blood. Let us ambush some uh, harmless soul. Let us swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who go down in the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Cast lots with us. We will all share the loot. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot in their paths, for their feet rush into evil. They are swift to shed blood. These men lie in wait for their, for their own blood, and they ambush only themselves. Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. The lack of wisdom and the foolishness of listening to evil voices in Elvis's life took away his life. It led him to the path of death. Who do you listen to? Who do you listen to? Because just because someone is there with you, that doesn't mean they're good for you. 
just because they're around you, it doesn't mean they're good for you. Voices of evil aren't just out there. Sometimes they're right here, actively going after you, showing up time and time again on your social media feed. In the air, where you live, saying, hey, wouldn't this be great? Like Colonel Parker, they cast a sparkling vision of what would be so awesome. The voices of evil from the book of Proverbs is the same. They say, come along with us. Let's wait to ambush. Cast lots with us. We'll all share the loot. It'll be so awesome. My best friend just dropped her daughter off for her daughter's freshman year at UC Berkeley. And uh, after they dropped her off, they came and spent some time with us. And sadly, it was that as they were at Target in San Leandro, uh, getting the last bits of things that she needed for her room, face wash, whatnot, they were right about to enter the store, and her, their, her husband had dropped her off, and he was going to park, and um, my friend and her daughter were walking into Target, and this car drives up. There's two, uh, four young men. Two of them come out, push my friend, and grab her purse. Run back into the car, and uh, strangely, my friend's daughter starts running after them. <laughs> it's like, what are you going to do? What are you... But, you know, it was very disorienting, you know, invasive, just a horrible experience from my friend's part. But I start to think about it from the angle of these four guys. Because at some point, someone had to come up with this idea, right? I don't know exactly what the story is, but at some point, either one of the four of them or someone else who's manipulating them said, you know what would be great? You go to Target. You find two short Asian women, and then you push one of them, and then we'll get the purse. Oh, that'll be so good. Somehow, there was a sparkling, though deceptive, vision of what would be good. Someone said that would be so awesome. But here's the thing. That's a lie. That's a lie. Yes, at some point, you'll get some cash, a couple credit cards, and some gum. <laughs> but at some point, this will lead in one way or another to disaster and calamity. You'll either get caught this time or maybe the next time. Or something happens in you where you start thinking stealing's okay or whatever way. But I guarantee you... This will lead to bad things. It's not a good way to live. But, of course, I would like to say, uh, lest we think that evil is just about stealing, for it is not. This summer, I spent a good part of a week in San Francisco. We had an exchange student, and we decided we're going to go do the tour thing. And, you know, uh, forgive me, San Franciscans, but certain part of San Francisco can be kind of gritty, Right? So we're in like, you know, uh, gritty parts of San Francisco and the house we were staying in was a lower income neighborhood. So I'm there for like four days and we drive back and I realize I have to run, I have to get something at Trader Joe's. So I drive into town and country, Palo Alto. Those of you who don't live in Palo Alto, town and country is this little shopping mall that has many things that you can't afford. <laughs> so I'm running errands. I go to town and country 
buy a few things. But I was, as I was driving into the parking lot, I think having been in a grittier context, I go into this beautiful town and country, and I could almost hear the spiritual powers and principalities of our place. Probably in a way that I'm just immune to it because I live here. But I could hear the messages of uh, saying things like, the most important thing is to be rich. Or, if you're not exceptional and successful, you're nothing. You'll be an important person if you just drive hard enough and work hard enough. Somehow, I just feel the messages of our place. And some of you, like, you may be pure and you never hear that, but I just hear those messages in the town where I live. Now, I'm not saying that money, hard work, and success are inherently evil. These can be neutral or sometimes even good things. But the invitation to center our lives on these things, to put our trust in these things, to worship these things, that is the path of foolishness and destruction. These things are just as destructive as being hooked on prescription medication. No matter what they are, believing lies will destroy you. Believing lies will destroy you at one point or another, in some, in one way or another, just as much as drugs or infidelity or an unhealthy lifestyle destroyed Elvis. Because it is not the wisdom of God, and it goes against the counsel of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you remember one thing from this morning, my urgent message to you today is don't be a fool according to how the scripture defines it. Don't live a foolish life. And I know you won't live a foolish life the way Elvis lived a foolish life, right? Because that's not our temptation or our path, our lot in life. But each of us, Each of us, no matter how respected and respectable you are, we always have the opportunity to live a foolish life. I want to ask you, what or who is the voice of Colonel Parker in your life? What or who is the voice of Colonel Parker in your life? A voice that should not get to speak in your life, and yet it does. Maybe another way of saying it is, who is giving you a vision of what could be good that is not in line with God's definition of good? I'm going to tell you one of mine. Palo Alto has a lot of those newspapers, right? Uh, um, You can find them wherever, Palo Alto Weekly, Palo Alto Daily, I used to, when on my day off, I used to open it and just look at those houses. (laughs) For merely $6.9 million, you could have this house. 
And, you know, if you're just interested in landscaping or, you know, ideas for design, maybe that's not so tempting for you. But for me, it was a way to just worship and center and put my, my dreams in buying a certain house that looks a certain way in Atherton. If you live in Atherton, I'm not, I'm not dissing on you. But for me, that was giving in to the, the voice of foolishness. Who is giving you the vision of what is good? Who are you tempted to listen to who is not God's voice of wisdom for you? And again, that voice is going to be different for you than it is for me. In one of the final scenes in this movie, um, it's with his, uh, Elvis's ex-wife Priscilla, who meets him at the airport to beg him to go to rehab. But then, by then, Elvis is too caught up in drugs, financial debt, and the pressure to constantly perform. Let's watch this. I actually really love how this in this movie Elvis is a person and I don't think I ever really realized that. I just thought about the icon, you know, or even kind of the kitschy joke, you know, Elvis, Las Vegas impersonators, but um, he was a person and um, he paid a great cost for not having enough wisdom in his life. But I want us to be aware of what the scripture teaches. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire compares to her. Long life is in her right hand, In her left are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and those who hold her fast will be blessed. My friends, do you want peace? Now and as your life moves forward? Do you want understanding? Do you want to be found blessed? Then seek wisdom. Listen to wisdom. God's wisdom can be the difference between life and death. Now, what if you're saying to me, but Pastor Susan... I know I need wisdom, more wisdom in my life, but how? And I know the temptations toward foolishness are right there in my life, but how? How do I take steps to listen to wisdom and flee the voices of foolishness? Well, fortunately, I have three suggestions for you. The first thing, read and study the Bible, okay? Do not underestimate that the Bible is a fount of wisdom right there. If you don't have time in the midst of your busy life 
to be in the scripture, then some amount of foolishness has gotten a hold of your life. Could I say that again? If you don't have time in your life to be in scripture, then some amount, some pattern, some lie of foolishness has gotten into your life. The Bible is a fount of wisdom. Why not let it influence you? In fact, why not let the Bible influence you as much as social media does for as many minutes of a day? That's a lot. But why not? Or maybe half. However you feel convicted, why not let the Bible give you wisdom? It's foolish not to. Secondly, find trustworthy, godly mentors who can speak into your life. People who seek wisdom should be really good at asking for advice and discerning. And be, you got to be in relationships first, right? You don't just march up to some wise person and say, I'd like to take three hours of your time. No, you got to be in community, in relationships. But getting wisdom from people who are wise. And finally, don't make big decisions on your own. Lean not into your own understanding. You're going to buy a house. You're going to get married. You're going to quit your job. You're going to move to another place. Fine, but get wisdom about these things. Don't just do them on your own. God has set a buffet table of resources before you. Don't starve to death. Seek and be open to the wisdom of God in your life. Amen. Let's pray. God of wisdom, Lord, we want to have bountiful lives as your scripture offers to us when we follow you. And I pray right now that you would show us the way Lord, some of us in this room need to make a change. And we need to be on a diet of wisdom more than a diet of foolishness. Help us, Lord, to know who to listen to. Who gets to have our ear? Who gets to be close up? Show us, Lord. Lord, I ask that starting today, you would have more of our lives. Take more than just a slice of our lives. Take more. Take the whole. Take it all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.